It's happening, people. It's happening. It's happening. You're listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast, an iconoclastic look at the latest Cleveland Browns news. The What the Elf Was That podcast is part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here's your host, Joel Cade. I wanted to start this week's show with just a a personal note. You know, I mentioned it's happening. Training camp's about to start, but there's a surefire way I know when training camp is about to start. And it goes way, way back to my days in first grade. I'm sitting there as a first grader at High Street Elementary School in Pequa, Ohio. And I'm listening to the announcements. And I hear this glorious announcement over the speaker. That if you want to play football, there's a meeting after school. So little first grade Joel decided to eschew the bus ride home and meet up for the football meeting after school. So I went there to the football meeting and I walked in and there are all these kids here wanting to play football. And the coach looked at me and said, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm here to play football. I'm here to play football. And he said, you can't play football. I said, well, why not? The announcement said I could come and play football. I want to play football. He said, because first graders aren't allowed to play on the fifth grade and sixth grade football team. So little Joel was upset and was crying and upset and had to get his mom to come pick him up. And, you know, that was the start of my, well, actually my football training started long before that, but that was the true start of my desire to play football. Now, my mom used to tell me the story that when I was a little baby, my favorite toy was a football All of my baby pictures have me and a football in it. Yeah, I think I've been destined to, like, do football since I was born. There's been something about me and football. If reincarnation exists, I have to be a reincarnated of a good football player somewhere. But I tell that story to say this. I had to wait four years, but I ended up playing on the fifth grade High Street Chiefs football team and uh, immediately made an impression as an offensive lineman and defensive lineman. You know, I was a pretty aggressive, pretty angry individual. I mentioned last time my nickname of Killer. Um, That was well-earned as a nickname. Um, You know, I saw a meme today where Mike Tyson came out and said that he could beat today's boxers because they're businessmen and he was a killer. And I'm going to tell you what, there are people with crazy mentalities like me that play football for the violence of it all, like Pac-Man Jones. You know, like, I'm just here for the violence. You know, that was me. Anyway. I digress. So I ended up on the sixth grade football team, played fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, up through high school. Ended up having a combined from fifth grade through high school record of 62 and 12. That's over a seven-year period. We won 62 games and lost 12 in my career in, in high school. But one thing I've learned, high school, elementary school, one thing that started to happen pretty early Well, it gets to about the middle of July. My body started to understand that it's time for football. And about my sixth grade year, about the middle of July, I started getting these these energy boosts. Like my body was ready. Like it's time. You know, it's time for football. Well, about three or four days ago, 
I could just feel it like an energy just to rush through my body. Like it is time to go out and beat some rear end. It is time for football to start. It's happening. People. It is time for football and my body is ready. You need to get ready because in one week we will be talking about the Browns at the this place in West Virginia where they're going. What's this called? The Greebriar. They'll be in one week. They'll be at the Greebriar getting ready for the Hall of Fame game. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm ready. It's time for football. All right. So the narrative little intro out of the way. My body says it's time for football. Therefore, it's time for football. So heading on today, we got some miscellaneous Browns news. So let's just sit and talk about some Browns news. Today, and today meaning July 18th, the Browns have announced that they will be wearing a white alternate uniform for three games, uh, one of which is including the Monday night football game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, including a white helmet. So this is a throwback to the old days where pretty much everyone had white helmets, but the Browns had white helmets. Um, they've got the the orange stripe, which you know tallied by two brown stripes. Nice looking helmet, nice looking uniform. Of course, if you go on to the website to to order a helmet of this nature, even a mini helmet that those of you who are watching can see my some of my mini helmets, they're already sold out. Way to go, Browns fans! You already sold out the the white mini helmets, so I got to wait in line to get my own, but. Browns news, white helmets, I think they look really neat. And they should look really kind of nice on TV if it doesn't get washed out by the white. I'm concerned that, like, it'll just be a sea of white and nothing. You won't be able to see any numbers or anything. So it's interesting. It'll be cool. Um, <clears throat> go on Twitter. There's a really cool kind of uh, tweet out about the helmet. You can see it from the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> excuse me the cleveland browns account kind of a pretty cool looking helmet white base with uh, orange stripe in the middle two brown stripes and looks like to be a brown mask dark brown mask looks really neat okay number two what else we got on the the news stump mitchell joined the dogs podcast and he made a statement that he thought that if nick chubb could work on some of his angles, he could possibly lead the league in rushing. So why don't we uh, just kind of listen to some of this. Put this bad boy on pause here. Let's see if we can listen in on some of this. Well, we're obviously not getting the audio. Stump Mitchell come out and said that Nick Chubb can improve on on, pre, uh, on pressing the line of the the track line. Meaning, when you run an outside zone, it's important for a running back to run in a track line. That is, as the offensive line is moving in one direction, they're moving in a specific track. The running back is supposed to help that scheme by pressing toward the line of scrimmage in a way that causes the linebackers or linemen to move, which would in turn help the offensive linemen actually block the players. And one thing that Nick Chubb doesn't 
I wouldn't say he doesn't do very well. One thing he's not elite at yet is setting up his offensive lineman for success with the way he runs towards the hole in the backfield. This is a an extremely esoteric thing, but it's something that's out there. And because, meaning he's a little slow on his track is what he is. Okay, and because of that, defensive linemen are able to get off blocks and tackle them behind the line of scrimmage. This is why I typically say that Nick Chubb needs a hole to run through. But it sounds like Stump Mitchell is saying, hey, if we can teach him to press the track, press the line of scrimmage a little bit more, that he may get some better holes or may just run through some people and thinks, and this is what was interesting, thinks that Nick Chubb could almost average six yards a carry, even with a reduced carry load, could still lead the league in rushing. Um, I would be excited to see that. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but I would be extremely excited to see that. I think more than pressing a track line, what he ne- what Nick Chubb needs to lead the league in rushing is uh, Deshaun Watson to have a good year with his running back, with his wide receivers and get teams playing the pass so Nick Chubb can just run through and get some great yardage on the ground game. But interesting that that Stump Mitchell really thinks that Nick Chubb could be better than what he currently is. So, hey, more power to him. I I would be interested in seeing him press the track line on an outside zone a little bit more. I think it would be helpful for him. That's one thing that uh, Kareem Hunt did very well that allowed him to get some extra yards that Nick Chubb's more like, I'm looking for a hole. I'm going to go a little bit slower. When I find the hole, I'm going to run through it. If he could press the line, create his own hole, this could be a a breakout year for Chubb. So we'll see how well he can do with that. In other news, Johnny Manziel. Yes, Johnny Football is back. He's going to be on Netflix's show Untold. By the way, if you have not seen Untold on Netflix, you are missing out. There are some great episodes. The premise of the show is essentially um, events that happen. I'll take, for example, one of these I watched recently was um, Malice at the Palace, where the Indiana Pacers came in and got into a large brawl at the the Palace in uh, Detroit with the Detroit fans. Um, kind of tells the story of Ron Artest going into, into the stands. Um, Ron Artest, also known as Meta World Peace. Um, but Ron Artest is giving his side of the story. Jermaine O'Neal giving his side of the story. It's really, really interesting. And you know, if you ever want to see when I talk about the Borg and the influence of the Borg on the way... Uh, you know, things get done. There we go. Had to get our Borg in there. On the way the Borg operates, the NBA at the time, Howard Stern, just decided to suspend all of them, these crazy suspensions without looking at the film, without looking at what happened, without judging it from a perspective of what was right and what was wrong. This untold series goes in and says, what actually happened at the palace? Who's really to blame for the situation? And uh, lets the players speak of this through their own voice. It's a phenomenal show. Now, Johnny Manziel getting on untold should be super interesting because it'd be interesting to see if he's grown up at all. 
I mean, Manziel, as we know, has been a very immature, selfish player. He's had battles with um, drugs. He's had battles with addiction. He's had battles with alcohol. Um, His father at one point came out and said he was concerned for his life about whether Manziel would even be alive, much less playing football. So it'll be interesting to see because, you know, the Browns are going to get drugged through the mud. That That's just what's going to happen. And you know that's going to happen because even if they don't get drugged through the mud, somebody's going to take him to task for ruining Johnny Manziel's football career or some stupid crap like this. Just because you as Browns fans have seen this, we know this, we know this is going to happen. But it'll be interesting to see Johnny Manziel in that. And after this untold, I'd like to see Johnny Manziel just go away. Go back to College Station. Go back to A&M. You can sit there and hang out with Miles Garrett if you wanted A&M. I don't really care. But just just go away. It's like that uh, Motley Crue song. You know, girl, don't go away mad. Just go away. Great song, by the way. Johnny Menzel, don't go away mad. Just go away. That's what we want. Go away. In other miscellaneous Brown news, Malik Jackson had announced his retirement and then decided to go on Good Morning Football and have some words about Miles Garrett. So let me just quote to you what Malik Jackson said on Good Morning Football in regards to Miles Garrett. Um, ironically, this will be a lot of what I've been saying about Miles Garrett. He's going to come out and say, here's what he said. Miles was a young player. Now, mind you, that Malik Jackson was there, I believe, during Miles Garrett's fifth year fifth year. Miles was a young player, and I don't think his leadership skills were the best at the time, but he's gotten older and understands what it takes, and he has had to do a lot. He has had a lot of guys around him to show him what he needs to do. I think he needs to take that bull by the horns and just lead more by example as far as in the classroom, because we all know what he can do on the field, but to be able to go in the classroom Command that respect and tell guys what to do is really where I think he needs to take that next step. All right, so what's Malik Jackson saying? Malik Jackson is saying pretty much in a different way what I've been saying for a while about Miles Garrett. Sometimes these athletes come in and they are just superhuman. And Miles Garrett is one of those freaks of nature. He would be considered a demigod if he lived back in ancient Greek. Right. There are some ancient Greece. There are some people who are just different. Not all human beings are created equal in terms of physical gifts and abilities. And Miles Garrett is one of those people that is just off the charts, athletic, off the charts, physical specimen. We all know that. But sometimes when you get these people and this naturally occurs to them and success physically comes to them, The classroom part and the maturity part lacks because they've never really had to be held accountable, nor have they been held accountable. Are you going to be a coach that's going to take your best player off the field? No. So Miles Garrett has never had to lead or be the right guy in the locker room that gives the right vibes off because he can just do whatever he wants. As a result, he is not really led in the quote-unquote the classroom. And I've been saying this in a different way. Miles Garrett goes out there and beats people with physical physical ability, but he's not doing it with technique. Okay? Malik Jackson says he's got to go in the classroom 
basically do his study and do his homework and get other people's other people on the team to buy into doing the homework and doing the studying and being with the scheme. Miles Garrett has been a player that I've thought for years just goes out and does whatever Miles Garrett wants. This is why I think it'll be interesting to see um, Jim Schwartz in town because Jim Schwartz is not going to put up with Miles Garrett showing up and doing whatever Miles Garrett wants to do. He's going to make him be a part of the scheme. He's going to make him do his part, one of 11 on that defense. It's not going to be Miles Garrett's show and then Miles Garrett encouraging other people to be their own individual things, doing their own individual thing regardless. I mean, defensive coordinators have not had success in Cleveland with Miles Garrett. And I think it's because Miles Garrett thinks he can just do whatever he wants and that's that. At least that's what it looks like from the outside. And it sounds like that's what Malik Jackson is saying. Hey, he's got the physical ability, but he's got to get the classroom situation straight. He's got to get his own studying done straight, and he's got to get other people to buy in to follow the scheme. And it's going to take that to do that, to make that happen. And Jim Schwartz is the guy to make that happen for Miles Garrett. But man, you know, I was concerned getting him out of the draft simply because is he going to put in the effort to get better technically in the NFL? And I'm not sure he's that much technically better today than when he was drafted. And I hope to see that the techniques, the hand fighting, the double gap scheme, the edge setting, which he does not set an edge, an edge setting becomes a little bit more refined and better through Miles Garrett um, with Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator. So hate to see it confirmed, but I think those of us with eyes who can see and ears that can hear have kind of knows this is what's been going on with Miles Garrett for a while. So let's hope that uh, Jim Schwartz can come out and, and put some correction on that. Okay. In other news, Joe Thomas is in the news. Yes. The hall of famer, Joe Thomas, Big weekend is coming. If you are paying attention to what's going on at Twitter, Joe Thomas has received his Hall of Fame jacket. He had one of those cool unboxing tweets where you video record you unboxing the Hall of Fame jacket and tweet it out to everybody. That there is out there on Twitter. Check that out. I believe that is on the Browns uh, website. It is on the NFL, at the NFL uh, on Twitter. Uh, gold jacket has arrived uh, for Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas was announced to be the last to speak at the Hall of Fame ceremony. Um, not sure how Joe Thomas got the last speaker. I don't know if I don't really watch a lot of the Hall of Fame stuff. Shame on me. But, you know, I'm just in it for the violence. I'm not here for the speeches. <laughs> I'm here for the violence. Joe Thomas gets to be the last to speak. I don't know if that means because everybody's going to see Joe Thomas, if that means everyone's going to stick around and watch everyone else's speech. There aren't going to be this crowd that like watches Joe Thomas's speech and says, screw it, I'm out of here. Maybe they're trying to avoid that. Joe Thomas is the draw in the Cleveland area. He's the first Browns player since the team came back to go into the Hall of Fame. So it's going to be a wild time. It's going to be a wild time. And in case you are near the Canton area and you want to get in, the Joe Thomas exhibit is officially open at the Hall of Fame. There's, I believe, one of those little lockers that has, I don't know if it's a locker, it's like a glass case. Again, you can find this on Twitter. Has his jersey. I believe it's the jersey he was wearing when he broke the consecutive snap record or a jersey, a helmet, a pair of cleats, a pair of gloves. And I believe it's the guitar handle from when he broke a guitar 
at one of the games. So there you go. There's more to the Hall of Fame than the traveling Lamar Jackson exhibit. I went to the Hall of Fame a few years ago with my kids, right? And it disgusted me because there's like a picture of Lamar Jackson in every freaking room of that Hall of Fame. I mean, come on. Why is Lamar Jackson in the Hall of Fame without being in the Hall of Fame? I don't care. I didn't go there to see a Baltimore Raven. I went there to see Joe Thomas. I went there to see, actually, I did go to see O.J. Simpson, the real killer. And I did go to see some of the other players in the Hall of Fame. I didn't go there to see Lamar Jackson. I want to go see him and go trash city and go watch him. I didn't go to the Hall of Fame. Why, why are we defacing the Hall of Fame with that man's presence? He didn't do anything. Let him do something first. Okay. So, speaking of the Hall of Fame, let's talk about the nitty-gritty of Brown's training camp starting. Now, training camp is going to start for the rookies. They get to report starting July 19th, which is tomorrow as of the time of this recording. Veterans are going to report on July 21st. Then the team goes to the Greenbrier at White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia from July 22nd through July 30th for Phase 1 of training camp which is the prep for the hall of fame game against the new york jets on 8-3 uh, i believe it's still called the faucet bowl i'm not sure it's been a while since i've played at the hall of fame we played that in high school we played a game there um but not sure that uh it's still called the faucet bowl but i know they've done a complete redo of the stadium looks nice on august 1st phase two dose of training camp will begin in Berea. I believe the tickets are all gone for those training camps. Good for you, Browns fans, for going out there and getting all the tickets and snatching them up. I did not get tickets this year, unfortunately, so you won't see me there, uh, sadly. But if I ever do end up getting tickets, I'll let you know, and you can come check out training camp with me. We can hang out, talk Browns news. It'll be some great stuff. We can just even talk about what's going on in the field. I think the best part of training camp is just watching the drills, seeing what's going on, listening to the coaching. I mean, I don't really care for the 11-on-11 sessions, which is what everybody seems to be at all. Yay! I want to see the individual drills. I want to see the offensive linemen. I want to see the defensive linemen. I want to see the linebackers do individual drills. That's where you get to learn a lot about these players. All right, on the other side of the – oh, that's all for our Browns news. On the other side of the break, we will go around the league – and the Borg are back. All right, hang on. And we're back. All right, so having finished up our Browns news, let's now go around the league, do some quick hits on stuff happening and my thoughts on them. One, DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, DeAndre Hopkins has signed with the Tennessee Titans. And I know this is not going to be a popular take, but I am extremely excited that the Browns found a way to avoid the mess, the mess that is going to be DeAndre Hopkins. So good for the Browns, good for not going for that stuff. By the way, the Tennessee Titans, is that like the new wide receiver graveyard? I mean, seriously, think of the people that went to the to uh, toward the end of their career that went to the Tennessee Titans as wide receivers and just pretty much just like, like what the heck happened to them? Like Randy Moss, Robert Woods, Julio Jones. People go to the Titans and just like fall apart. 
So I don't know what's going to happen to Andre Hopkins. He may go there. It may be terrific, maybe revive his entire career, or the step that he's lost that most GMs have understood that he's lost. Maybe that's going to play itself out there in Tennessee, and that might be the, the last big contract. He might be their fourth Dwayne Bowe signing. Uh, you guys know who Dwayne Bowe was, came to the Browns, got himself a contract, and pretty much just did nothing, except cause trouble in the locker room. He did a pretty good job of causing problems in the locker room. So uh, shout out to Dwayne Bowe, the, the OG troublemaker in the Browns locker room, collecting paychecks, you know, t- teaching young players not to play. Good for him. Um, jerk. I didn't say that. You didn't hear that. But Tennessee Titans, man, Randy Moss, Julio Jones, Robert Woods, this is the graveyard. This is where wide receivers go to die. Rest in peace, DeAndre Hopkins, but you never know. He may be resurrected from the dead out there. Those Titans can do a lot of things. Uh, Other things around the league. Jets are going to be on hard knocks. Uh, Can't imagine not everyone saw this one coming as soon as they traded for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Jets are eligible. They're only like four or five teams eligible, and Jets pulled the shortest straw. I mean, they're a big market team. They got a lot of idiots on that team. Aaron Rodgers is a he's a mercurial player, a prima donna. I don't know. Should be interesting. Honestly, I don't watch Hard Rocks anymore simply because I don't think it's good anymore. The good parts about about uh, hard knocks is when players come out and said stupid stuff. That was tremendous. When players come out and say idiotic crap, that's tremendous. Well, I don't think we get that anymore. People are so coached up and people are, you know, watching what they say on camera to the point where we're not going to see, you know, Chad Ochocinco getting cut, you know, on, on camera. We're not going to watch uh, Rogers Cromartie trying to name off all of his kids. We're not going to see people get face tattoos to avoid working at Toys R Us. People believing that mermaids exist. I think all that fun stuff is gone. I think teams are no longer working on players are no longer out there trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to team first. And I just I think I think hard knocks has just passed its time, but I don't know. We'll see. Maybe the Jets will pull something stupid and, and we'll have some interesting times, but it'll have to be something I watch on a clip because I don't think I'm gonna watch it. All right. Uh in recent in relevant news. Joe Mixon has restructured his deal to stay in Cincinnati. Now, check this out. Joe Mixon, who, by the way, was not good last year. Um, he's he's one of those players that's kind of like taking a step back. Wasn't very good. Has taken a $4.39 million pay cut to stay in Cincinnati in 2023 and a $4.67 million pay cut to be in Cincinnati in 2024. Okay, took a massive pay cuts to stay in Cincinnati. This, along with Josh Jacobs, you may know Josh Jacobs from the Las Vegas Raiders, not getting a long-term deal, sparked an outpouring of running backs around the league decrying the status of running backs. It also came in reaction to a tweet by Matt Miller. Matt Miller came out and said, I've been saying it for years, one draft a running back two play the running back and if he's good three franchise tag the running back one time and then one draft a running back meaning don't 
pay a running back. Don't pay them. That's what he said. And after he did that, oh my gosh, the floodgates opened up. You have a lot of running backs coming out and saying a lot of things about Matt Miller and his tweet. Derrick Henry comes out. Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans, who's new teammate DeAndre Hopkins will be there, says at this point, just take the running back position out of the game. The ones that want to be great and work as hard as they can to give it all to their organization just seems like it don't even matter. I'm with every running back that's fighting to get what they deserve. Jonathan Taylor comes out. Jonathan Taylor of the Colts, by the way, comes out and says, one, in response to Matt Miller. These are all in response to Matt Miller's tweet. One, if you're good enough, they'll find you. If you work hard enough, you'll succeed. If you succeed, you boost the organization, and then it doesn't matter you're running back. Okay? Austin Eckler, who's been trying to get a contract of his own, said this is the kind of trash that has artificially devalued one of the most important positions in the game. Everyone knows it's tough to win without a top running back, and yet they act like we are discardable widgets. I support any running back doing whatever it takes to get his back. Now, I'm going to agree with Eckler in one thing. I support not only running backs, but any player who is going to hold out or anything they can to get their bag of cash. These owners are greedy, greedy, greedy people. And if you can get your money, get your money while you can. And then don't gamble on their idiotic sports apps they're pushing on you either. In response, by the way, to Austin Eckler, Matt Miller responds, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl with no receivers, having over 1,000 yards and a starting running back drafted in the seventh round. Having a great running back is a value, but there's a question of what the value is. I didn't make the rules. I'm just pointing them out. So basically what we have now, and I have very little sympathy for running backs. I'm just going to point it out. You probably are going to hate me for this, but I have very, very little sympathy for running backs on this. What running backs are experiencing in the NFL is what you, me, and every other person in the working world experience at your job. And that is your job has been created to make you expendable. They can replace you with someone else at any time. If you work, say, in a factory or if you work, I mean, you work in any field. I mean, like, I've been a college professor. I can be replaced. Bam, like that. I can be replaced. There are 15 other people with PhDs who want my job and they can, they don't like me. They can get rid of me. Of course, you know, having tenure helps, but you know, it helps, but I can be replaced. Social workers can be replaced. People, you know, working grocery stores, easily replaced. Accountants, replaceable. You can get temporary accountants to come in and do the job. People in the economics, replaceable. Everyone is replaceable. All of us live with the reality of if we don't perform in our job, they will replace us with somebody younger and cheaper because they want the job. Is what it is. And running backs are now, just like everybody else in the world, if they don't perform, they don't get paid. The problem is they play at such a high level that they only may only have one, five years of, of good play, and then they're gone. So, I mean, yeah, to some respect, I agree with Derrick Henry. Just take the running back position out of the game. It's kind of trending that way because you can find players like Curtis Samuel, like Elijah Moore, like Corderell Patterson that can play wide receiver, that can come back in the backfield and run the ball as a running back. 
these players that are called quote unquote weapon players that play running back. But I'm not going to have sympathy for a running back making Joe Mixon, by the way, taking a $4.6 million pay cut, which means he's still making enough money to make that a pay cut. Okay. And people are complaining that they don't get a second contract. You know what? I'm not having sympathy for you. You got a first contract. You may have even gotten a, uh, a franchise tag. I'm not making that kind of money, yet I'm completely replaceable. What am I supposed to be doing with my life? I don't want to sound like a bitter fan. I'm just saying reality is reality, right? You are replaceable. That's what the NFL is going toward. The NFL is worried about one position and one position only, and that's the quarterback. You can't touch. You can't so much as spit. You can't so much as blow or look cross-eyed at a quarterback without a 15-yard penalty. Okay, you can't do it unless they're a Browns quarterback. Then you can hit them in the head legally when they run out of the pocket. But every other quarterback, 31 potential quarterbacks in this league, you're not allowed to so much as look at funny or you're getting a penalty. But quarterbacks, the one position they only care about, they will pay that quarterback 40% of a salary cap and think nothing of it. Okay, that's the one position they value. Everyone else is replaceable. Every single person is replaceable. And the NFL, <coughs> excuse me, has a mantra for this. It's called next man up. They have built it into the mantra, next man up, meaning if you're hurt, the next man gets to go in. You are completely replaceable. And the NFL has figured out that you can completely replace running backs to the point where you don't even have to pay them. Use them up, throw them out like trash. All right. You got all these people now complaining and upset. Congratulations. Welcome to the real world. I know you haven't had to work hard through school. Some of you have chosen to and have done a great job, but if you wanted to slide through school, you want to slide through college, you could have done it. If you didn't, good for you. Good for you for getting an education. But some people aren't as fortunate. Some people just decide to slide through and, and take the easy way. And now you're complaining that you're not going to get paid. Well, my thing is you've gotten a free education. If you haven't gotten the free education, Congratulations, having been in the league five years, the NFL Players Association has provisions and the NFL has provisions for you to go back and get your free education and finish up your degree. Then you can be just as replaceable as the rest of us. I don't have that. I don't get to go to college for free. I mean, I don't know what you guys are wanting, but the NFL running back position is completely replaceable. It is what it is, man. It's not about hey, the running backs aren't good or the running backs aren't useful to the team. I mean, every single person admits that running backs help a team. Even Matt Miller admits the running back position helps the team. The thing is, running backs are replaceable, completely replaceable, and running backs wear down faster than other positions in the NFL. And kudos to Kevin Stefanski, for managing Nick Chubb in a way that has extended his usefulness and the vitality of his career and has made him more money. So while everyone's out there griping, you got to give Nick Chubb 20 carries, just realize you're taking money out of the man's pocket every time he gets to that point. When he is overworked, he loses a step, he loses his speed, and he wears down and you are taking money from him. Manage him correctly and he will make more money in the league. So for all of you who are 
all about this, give the ball to Nick Chubb and run all over the place, just realize that's a disaster for his career and he will he will wear down faster and you could replace him sooner. If you want to keep nice things, you have to treat them like they're nice things. Run them 15, 16 times a game. There's my running back rant. Okay, moving on to the next topic, the process. Josh Harris. His Josh Harris, in case you don't know, is the new proposed owner for the Washington Commanders. Hold on. Let's get it out here. Let's get it out here. We are the Borg. Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. Yeah. Josh Harris, the sale of the Commanders to Josh Harris should be complete this week, this Thursday, and today is Tuesday, so it'll be two days from today. The owners are expected to approve the sale of the Washington Commanders to Josh Harris, and now the media outlet has decided that it is time. It is time to expose Josh Harris for the process. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast, and I don't know if you have, you haven't, I've been talking about this for about the last two months, that the Borg are bringing in Josh Harris. And Josh Harris orchestrated the Philadelphia 76ers three-season slump. What do you call it a slump? Purposeful tanking to acquire high-end draft picks to remake the team. At one point, the, the, the 76ers won 11 games in a season. Insane. That is insanity in basketball. Won 11 games. This is who the commanders have hired. This is who has bought the commanders, and this is who the Borg are bringing into their collective so that they can take your money. So I thought, since I've already talked about the process ad nauseum, and you guys should know what the process is and how it works and tanking to get draft picks, tanking to get high-end draft picks, I just want to point out something. The Washington commanders are already in prime position to tank. I mean, this team is a train wreck, and Josh Harris is going to pick it up, and he's going to like, yes, I have bought a train wreck. So let's just examine the train wreck tanking job that will occur next year with the Washington Commanders. One, you have Ron Rivera, Mr. No Clock Management Skills having Ron Rivera, Mr. We Could Have Made the Playoffs This Week, Ron Rivera, in case you didn't remember, Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera was asked about making the playoffs after the Browns game, and he literally said in his post-game press conference, we could have made the playoffs. He doesn't even know what's going on with his own freaking team. Much less manage a clock, right? They call him Riverboat Ron. And he was trying to rebrand himself in North Carolina with the Panthers as analytics Ron, which nothing – Ron Rivera is like the anti-analytics dude. I mean, I, I this guy probably doesn't read a chart or – read a book, much less anything, about football, the guy goes out there and coaches like he's coaching in the 1980s. Well, I just go out there and beat him up, man. Like, uh, don't get me started. Detroit Lions have a guy that does the same thing, costing them football games. Ron Rivera costing the commanders football games. This guy is like the perfect head coach to tank because he just has very little clue about clock management and how to run a game, much less what else is going on around the team. Number two, they have Sam Howell as their projected starting quarterback. 
Sam Howell was a fifth round pick. He was a gross pick. Now, what I mean by that is he was pick number 144, which is technically a gross. He was a gross pick. And I want that all the polysemic of the word gross to be in effect here. He is the gross pick. And he's out there going to start out a quarterback, projected at this point to start a quarterback. If you didn't watch Sam Howell at North Carolina, he's the guy that like comes into the season and then they overhype him and they think he's going to be a first-round pick. Then he gets picked around where he should be in the fifth round. And then people, ooh, you got a steal with Sam Howell in the fifth round. No, Sam Howell's a fifth-round pick. Okay? But at least now, I put this. But at least this year, the commander's offense is going to enter the 2000s, okay? Before, they had Scott Turner, son of Norv Turner, Norv Turner formerly of the Browns, by the way, and of Dallas Cowboy fame, where you run Emmett Smith and then throw the ball long. That was the offense, the vertical attack offense, where you just pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball, and then throw the ball deep after the safeties cheat up. That was the whole offense. Not very sophisticated. The Browns ran it. <coughs> Josh Gordon got like a million yards, yards receiving, just running past one-on-one coverage. They tried this in Carolina with Ron Rivera. Yeah, it didn't work so well. Cam Newton is not the kind of player you want to put in a North Turner offense. They literally tried it in Cam- tried it in Carolina. It was really dumb. No idea why they tried this. Then they gave the ball to Christian McCaffrey 100,000 times that season, wore him down to the point where like he was hurt nonstop, and then traded him to San Francisco. So this year they're going to get Eric Bieniemy to come in and be their new offensive coordinator, which means they're going to have a new offense with a new quarterback who has one start under his belt with a head coach that can't manage the clock or much less know what else is going on around him. So Eric Bieniemy is going to at least bring the offense into the 2000s. I don't know if they think they're going to turn Sam Howell into Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if they're going to give him the exact same scheme that Patrick Mahomes plays. We'll have to see what Eric Bieniemy wants to do with the offense. Okay, is he going to give him the wide open, run around and hit somebody, Johnny Manziel backyard football thing that Patrick Mahomes? Sam Howell's not going to do that. He can't be that that quarterback. And I don't know if they're going to expect him to be that quarterback or not. So we'll see what happens with that. Jack Del Rio is a good defensive coordinator. You know, he runs that 1990s, 2000s defense, right? A lot of up on the line of scrimmage with man coverage behind it. So you can do that when you've got the defensive line that they have because they have a pretty, pretty decent defensive line. But if you can neutralize the defensive line, and by the way, good luck with doing that, um, they can be exposed. So there's not much about this team that says, hey, we're going to come out and win. Although they think they're going to come out and win. They got the pig man out there, so I don't know if the pig man's going to help them win. At least you can get a good laugh watching the pig man. <sighs> the commanders. But Josh Harris is stepping right into this team, and this has got to be a dream come true for this guy. You've got a garbage head coach, a garbage quarterback, offensive scheme. You have no idea how that's going to play out. In a defense, the teams know how to how to defeat if it wasn't for the superhuman effort of their defensive line, who seems to be getting hurt and it's starting to take a toll on them. Um, But welcome to the process. 
And Josh Harris, welcome to the NFL. So let me leave you with this, Josh Harris. We are the Borg. Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. Welcome to the process, people. It is now in the NFL. Thank you for listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast. Please like, subscribe, and tell all your friends to give a listen. You can follow host Joel Cade on Twitter at The Left Guard. Stay tuned for next week. Camp is starting.